S-A-M-I-R-Y-E. Sammy Rye here with another podcast with Sammy Rye. It is the last week of May, and um, I just want to touch in on a few cool things this week. I don't think we're going to do the whole commercial break thing. I think I have a shorter episode this week. We're going to talk about the new Thor. We're going to talk about Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which I believe is now on Paramount Plus, or Paramount streaming service. I don't know if they, I don't know if they have a plus behind it, like Disney Plus. Go watch Sonic 2. It's one of the best movies ever made. I'm sorry. Uh, I cannot believe how good that movie is. Especially, I don't know if, what it means if you've never seen or you don't know who Sonic the Hedgehog is. I think it's still a very, very good movie for just any single person to watch. Um, but if if you know Sonic the Hedgehog at all as a kid, it means if you're born maybe like in 85. I think I played Sonic the Hedgehog when I was in about third grade. It is... The movie's phenomenal. The, they took so many small things from that pretty simple video game. And, you know, the Sega Genesis era, they didn't tell you a bunch of story. There wasn't cinematics. There was very little um, storytelling, you know, going on in a traditional sense. And there's some crazy concepts in that game. And they really pull it together in a very, very cool way in the film. I won't spoil it. You know, definitely a fun movie for the family. Um, you know, I, I don't really like watching family movies a lot. I, I think a lot of times they they don't have enough umph, enough spectacle, enough things to grab you. There's some good ones out there, of course, but like usually you got to throw in some jokes that like are clever that adults would get, kind of keep you watching. And then you need some visual spectacle, plus obviously a story for the kids, some cute characters. Um, Toy Story, you know, Pixar, I think, has a lot of good examples of these kind of things, but... Even that, like, I feel like sometimes some of them, I'm, I'm just not, they're not always there, right? You're not going to always be able to do it over and over again. But I'm very happy um, as a family man to be able to see Sonic and Sonic 2. Uh, definitely can't say too much about that, um, or not enough about that, I guess you would say. The, you got to go see it. Now, I want to hop off of that right there and hop right into Thor, comic book fans, and the newest trailer for Thor 4, it has got everybody talking. I feel like this is the whole podcast this week. This is kind of the main thing I think I want to talk about this week. Um, yeah, I have another few few things I'll try to touch on. Like, The Rising uh, is available on Steam in early access for $20. If you have any kind of computer that could possibly play this game in any kind of way, um, it is a great game for $20. I would even buy it if you think you're going to get a computer in the future and just add it to your Steam library. It's an early access. I got the Founders Edition with like the the extra stuff, all the goodies. Because this is a game, if you ever played Ark or you heard of these other survival games where you're in a world, you can build a castle, you can build things, you can build a house, go out and do stuff. Um, it's it has it's a vampire game. You can do all these things. You can have vampire servants. You can build a castle, like I mentioned. Um, I think your servants can fight for you. They can defend your castle. You can have multiple castles. Um, your friends can play with you online in a private world. You can play by yourself. Kind of, It's a lot like Ark, but it's this top-down isometric game. The combat's good. A lot of cool vampire powers. Um, interesting enemy types that you can fight. It hits every single checkbox. And to be in early access for $20, it is a steal. There's there's no future where it's like, no, you got to wait for it to get the $15. Impossible. Um, just at least get the $20 version. Um, I think you can even get the twenty dollar version and possibly in the future, like add on the extra bundle stuff if you if you're interested. It's all cosmetic; you don't need the extra stuff. But I I really want to support the game. So V Rise is a great game. Check out on PC. I don't know if it's ever going to come to PS4 or PS5. It doesn't seem like it from what I've been reading. 
Um, but yeah, it's not, it doesn't seem like a very graphically intensive game. So I'm playing on medium settings on a laptop. You probably can get it even on low settings. The gameplay is so fun. It's not a whole lot to look at anyway. Um, it does look nice, but I just think the gameplay is just super fun and lets you do what you want to do in that. Um, what else is going on this week before I just dive into Thor and talk about Thor for the rest of the podcast and, you know, everything else? Um, I don't think there's much else going on this week. For me, I am moving soon, and I feel like um, mentally I'm in this place of, like, getting between things. Like, I want to I wanna move. I just want to get into my new space. I want to start recording videos. Um, and besides that, I'm kind of going week to week, definitely spending time with the family, enjoying the weather, loving the weather, getting back outside, going for runs again. All that stuff is great. Um, and yeah, and I'm doing a lot of art again, going through these. I, I feel like these things come in phases, but I'm really, really getting into art, really taking some time to appreciate it, kind of finding reasons to love doing these things. That's, that's something I, I think about a month ago, I got back into music, just making music on like the production side of it. I really got into like the love of it, just really enjoying it and doing it because I wanted to do it, um, and not so much because I felt like some other kind of bigger need to do it. That helped a lot with learning and getting deeper into the music production. Um, that was very fun, and then recently I decided to switch my focus back to the art, um, music drawing and stuff like that, and I find I go through these phases a lot. I go, I bounce from one to another, I'm writing for a little bit, I'm doing this, it's kind of just like what whatever like strikes me creatively, but I think art will be as I move into the new space and hopefully start selling products and getting things out there. Art's going to be the number one thing that I can sell. I feel like that's the most um, purchasable product. You know, music people don't really pay for music anymore. Um, writing is great, but I think to promote that writing, I, I want visuals to go with the writing. So I, I want book covers, I want posters. Um, you know, character concept art, stuff like that to kind of showcase the world that I'm talking about when I'm writing. So art's the name, next thing. Uh, music, again, is like a bonus down the road kind of thing. And hopefully the video content for the podcast and some other videos kind of just talking about things that I'm into and, you know, whatever I feel like doing really is all stuff I'm looking forward to do. In my new space, I'll have a whole little studio. So I'll be able to do all that stuff for you guys. Um, anybody who still listens to the podcast and all that, that's going to be great. And then maybe even do a video podcast. I have a much bigger space I could set up, um, you know, a whole place where we could do podcasts and stuff. So if I got people to come out, that would be awesome. We'll see how that goes. And, you know, moving into the second year of the podcast, things are developing, things are growing. Um, now, with, with Thor, um, I, I, I just, we'll just get into this and talk about everything else is going on. Um, <laughs> I keep on teasing the Thor rant, which is going to end up being... But the last thing I want to mention is a book called Zero to One that I'm currently listening to on Audible. And this all ties into Thor. I'm going to make it all tie into Thor. Trust me. Uh, Zero to One is a great book. It's about four or five hours long in audio form. And it's a book that doesn't give you answers. It's not a step-by-step book. It's a book that kind of asks you these different questions. or once you, It's like an exercise, basically, for you to ask yourself this question. The writer claims these are the kind of questions everyone who starts a startup company should be asking themselves. Um, and, you know, help you kind of figure out what is it you want to do. And I think it applies to creatives a little bit. Um, there's definitely some things you could consider. Um, however, definitely for starting a business, I think this book is, is 100% true. It's exactly what you have to do to understand what it is that, that you want to get into. And it doesn't tell you, like, do this or do that. It says, hey, these are the questions you need to ask yourself um, and then decide where you want to go from there. So all that's going to be tied into this Thor rant I'm about to do. and We'll, we'll bring it all back to the end. Now... Thor Love and Thunder has a new trailer coming out. 
Christian Bale's in it. He plays the villain. He plays a villain named Gore, which is a relatively new comic book character. Um, and he looks a lot like Voldemort in the comics, and he's Gore the God Butcher. And I think what, what was cool about that character, this struck people. He's a lot like Carnage in the sense that he's kind of crazy. He's obviously very violent, and he kills other gods. He kills, like, lots and lots of gods. And I guess with the Thor comics, which I'm not, like, 100% into, but when I've, when I've seen them, I come across them to the degree... There's a lot of like available gods that you could talk to or Thor could meet, um, but they never seem that important to the overall Marvel universe. I feel like Marvel kind of treats the gods like, like it's aliens, like other characters, I guess to some degree. I I, I know there are like actual gods in the Marvel comics. The Marvel comics, you know, because this is a story and exists just as a story. Um, they can get as wild and as crazy as possible. They have concepts that they present in the comics that are just... They don't make no sense in a rational world. It's something they only could do in a storybook where you're playing around. Like, they have gods of gods and gods who are immortal and a god who can, like, punch the universe in half and all this stuff that, you know, they don't have, like, Wolverine come beat that god or something. Like, it's it's stuff that only happens in stories, right? And they're, and they're fun as comics, and then when when these trailers come out, when they make changes to characters and there's this controversy, it's always the same comic book fans that are just complaining that somehow Marvel is not deciding to make, you know, panel by panel, going through the comic book, recreating a comic book into a movie, which would be a horrible idea. They're two very different mediums. What works in a comic book, what works to a comic book reader who just likes comic books, isn't going to necessarily work well as a movie. And vice versa. As a comic book reader when I was younger, when they would make a, a, a comic book adaptation of a movie, I was never interested. The art was never that interesting. And um, I don't think that ever worked where they took a movie and, you know, busted it out to 10 or 11 comics or something like that. Did anyone ever care about that? The, the graphic novels of a movie? I don't, I don't think that ever worked. I felt like it always seemed like they hired someone who was available and they kind of went about, you know, forcing that into, into, um, the the comic book. I mean, I know there's novelizations of movies. I don't know if anyone like really loves those. Um, I know when interview with a vampire. I love the movie. I love the movie a lot. And then when I read the book, I also love the book. And I never do this thing where people like I'll say, oh, one's better than the other. It's, it's completely not necessary. I don't know why we always feel like this need a competition for every single thing in the universe. Like, what book is better than a movie? Like, who cares if, if I'm if I'm reading a book. I'm not going to do that with a family of four. Like, I could sit down and watch a movie with my friends and family. I'm not going to read a book with them. It's, it's again, they're different mediums. It doesn't matter if the book is good and how much you enjoyed it in your mind. That's that's great. But what does that have to do with a movie? They're not they're not the same thing. Like you can digest a movie in 90 minutes. You can sit down and watch a whole movie, get a story, boom. And then people are like, oh, in the in the thousand page book, they tell they go into so much more stuff. Yeah, it's a it's a book. It's a very very long story, and then you can read it at your leisure over the course of years if you prefer. It's it's not even the same thing. It is nothing alike, right? So Gore the God Butcher, they changed his face. He looks like Voldemort in a comic with some tentacles coming off of his neck and a hood. He looks cool in the comic. Again, I feel like it's Voldemort at plus uh, Carnage equals Gore the God Butcher. Like that's I feel like that's literally what what someone did when they when they thought of that character and in the comic he like kills all these gods in the marvel cinematic universe 
they're they haven't discussed really to what extent there are gods, how many gods are there, yada yada. So they bring in Gore the God Butcher, and he's supposed to be like super, super strong in the comics. Like again, he kills gods for fun, right? So Thor has never been, you know, I don't know. I don't feel like Thor's ever really been shown as like it's the most powerful person ever. Like there's something about the way they handle his character where they don't let him get out of hand, right? Like you can have a big fight and Thor doesn't come in and just clear out everyone. It requires a team. Meanwhile, there are other situations where he did fight a lot of people and, you know, he handled his own. Um, you know, there's Thanos, there's, you know, there's there's theories you could say that maybe under different circumstances he would have killed Thanos. Um, but he didn't. He kind of did two times, but he, but he didn't, right? And in the comics, obviously, Thor isn't the end-all be-all because people constantly don't kill Thanos and other characters like that and cause a whole lot of problems. So, Gore the God Butcher is coming to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and the biggest thing I I thought was going to be difficult about that was, again, these comic fans who are just... So unable to understand these characters have to change. They did this with the Black Order. The Black Order in the movie is pretty cool, right? We watch Endgame, Infinity Wars. They're pretty cool. They do what they're supposed to do. They, they give Thanos a decent team to go with him. Um, and they all, like, die. They die to the likes of, like, Black Widow and stuff. In the comics, I think, like, Ebony Maw's character... Or no, Corvus Glaive's character has a spear that Thanos made for him. And they talk about the spear... And it weighs the weight of like a thousand suns or something. So I think there's like a scene or something like that in the comic where like they put it on like the Incredible Hulk. And like he can't lift it because it's just so heavy or something like that. Yada, yada, yada. This doesn't make sense. It doesn't make... Just because you write it down as a comic book, it doesn't make sense in any realm of reality. It's just completely ridiculous. So what are you going to do, right? Corvus Glaive comes down to Earth with a, a... a spear that technically is like heavier than the earth, and then like he can like. I, what are we talking about here? What are we talking about? This is my rant I'm bringing this week. I, I don't understand what comic book readers don't get about this. And you know, mind you, when I say this, I'm a comic book reader. I grew up reading comics, and at some point, I got to a a, a place in life where, for entertainment, I believe when Iron Man came out. When the MCU started kicking off, that to me is the number one form of entertainment. It it it, it has all things you'd want in in um in a story, and it's a more you know it's it's cheaper, it's it's easier to follow. You know, comics constantly do these things, which I feel like are almost predatory. Where they'll make like thirteen different comics, you got to go collect every single comic. You got to drive. Oh, the comic book store doesn't have it. You got to go over here, find and trade, and and then someone has the comic you want. Just to get the story you're looking for. And then if you're buying comics and you're like 4 or $5 a pop and you need to get 10 comics, like $50, just to get a story. And I got to then read all this stuff, find a time for it. It's a complicated hobby and it's something that's fun to do, I think, when you're younger. As you get older, it becomes much harder to digest comics. Now, they have digital comics and I have tried that before. But their like Netflix version of digital comics, I believe, doesn't have brand new comics for the first three months or something like that. It's like exclusive to theaters kind of thing, right? Well, like Sonic the Hedgehog came out today on Paramount, but like it was previously only in theaters, whatever, right? So I think comics do a similar thing, and I think that's that that's horrible. I don't know how much money the comic book industry is still making. I think last time I looked it up, it, it was only a few million. It wasn't a lot compared to your know, money bringing the coming in from the other industries or whatever. But um, 
yeah, I don't see why they haven't completely, you know, switched over to a Netflix-like system. I think that would make it much easier to get into these comics, a website where you could search the stories and have everything put together. I do find Marvel Wiki to be pretty useful. Um, but yeah, overall, I just feel like there's something still missing from the way that they expect us to consume comics. And I think a lot of it is based off of how it used to be done. But again, if you're not shipping to brick-and-mortar retailers and you're not... Um, I don't know if you're not, you're not printing up all these physical copies. You don't got to worry about certain books, not selling. You just got to make one digital copy of some a copy of something and then put it out there. There's way more art tools nowadays to help artists create art faster and have better workflows. I don't see why comics are more expensive than ever. Um, unless of course you're, you're dealing with them in the physical medium, they should be cheaper and much easier for you to grab onto. I remember hearing stories when I was a kid, I think comics were like two bucks or maybe three dollars. When my parents tell me the comics were like fifty cents or a dollar when they were younger. And a lot of people could get them. It wasn't so difficult. So like if you want me to buy ten comics, well make them a dollar each. I'll I'll spend ten dollars on ten comics and give me that content. But then five dollars for every single comic, it gets too expensive. So Gore the God Butcher, Christian Bale hasn't done a superhero thing since Batman. So that's a big get. It's big to get Christian Bale to step in and now he's playing a villain, which is awesome. He gets to play opposite of Chris Hemsworth and Thor. Um, you know, the dramatic um, acting ability that he can bring to that role is is going to be impressive. He's already in the trailer doing stuff and, you know, emoting and doing what you would want an actor to do. Gore's backstory is really tragic, so hopefully they get to, to go for that. And that's the thing I wanted to talk about. It's like, when you're doing story, the story matters. The spectacle is important, but the spectacle doesn't matter. And they already came up with things for a cinematic world that are different. So, like, there's scenes in the trailer where, like, they're on this black and white planet, but some things aren't black and white. So, that could be a few things. I think the effect comes from the video game No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky has a concept where there's certain planets you go to, and, like, the light, like, you can't see color on the planet. They're colorless planets. And I don't know the science behind it, but there's a science behind it where, like, some planets, if it didn't have certain things, we wouldn't be able to perceive color on that planet. So everything looks black and white. Or it might look, like, black and white with, like, a red there for some reason. Um, it's different things in the, in, in the oxygen or whatever. It looks real cool on film, right? I haven't seen anything like it really since Sin City. It looks like old tech repurposed. Um, or is it, like, some reality gore created or whatever? I don't know where they are. But it visually looks cool. And that's the point. It's a movie. It's got to look different. You have to have new things in it that are visual, that, that are distinct to just Thor. Things that only Thor, Thor is going to do, right? You're not going to have the need for something like that in a Spider-Man movie. He's he's Spider-Man. He's in the, the Spider-Man world. He's in New York City, right? Um, but Thor is going to these unusual places. He's going to do unusual things. I think that stuff is cool. Um, as opposed to like Thor 2. People talk about that a lot. Um, you know, that that movie was so gray. I remember in my memory it's just gray and red. Like it's not a very fun to look look at movie. The first one I thought was much more fun visually because you got to see Asgard. I think they're in like New Mexico or Arizona, so you got like the bright sunny sunset there. Then they're like also in like the city. So it, it bounces around more in Thor One. Thor Ragnarok, obviously they go all kinds of places. They go to Asgard. Asgard has fire in it. There's a fire monster. You go to the place where the, the game master is. Um, a bunch of colorful things there. I think it makes Thor so much more interesting. Where before, I think it felt like Thor had to be weighed down in mythology. Like, I'm a god. And blah, 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 blah. 
Like, that was, like, the tone of Thor. Where now they've made him into a fun character. Now he's kind of, like, he's becoming kind of like He-Man. I see there's a He-Man Netflix series, and they're doing new things on that series. And it seems like um, there's those new ideas are already being gobbled up by Marvel and brought into what they're doing with Thor. Um, and it, it might be just them not necessarily taking from that Netflix series per se, but I think what both those series are doing, what all good writers are doing, is looking back at the history of entertainment and saying, hey, what are some fun things that we left out, some, th- some fun things that got left around and no one got to use? He-Man had a lot of cool ideas, and you can see that there's a lot of new ways you can go with that. So, you know, Marvel doesn't have He-Man, but they do have Thor. He's He-Man-like. He's very He-Man-like, if you think about it. So just, you know, take some of that stuff and throw it in there. And you keep evolving the character to doing new and interesting things. And then the sequels don't just feel like sequels. It feels like a character progression where the characters are going and moving into new directions. So with Gore, with Gore being whatever it is, it doesn't matter. What you're going to get when you go watch any of these Marvel movies, what they always prove is that they have a better idea than what's already been done. And that's not... To say that they're like geniuses and they're way better than everyone else, which I obviously think they're super talented over there. They have a great team. It's just they get to build off of what we already expect. And that's that's great. It's when you're doing magic, when you're doing a magic trick, you present something people think is familiar. And then you show them something they don't expect and you get that great reaction from them. Uh, you combine that with good storytelling, you got magic. And it, this is movie magic. Marvel understands how to make movie magic. So you might go into the situation and... Just based off of what we saw in Doctor Strange, they lie in trailers. They do things in trailers that don't happen. There's not saying that at some point, maybe Gore has another form he turns into. Perhaps he transforms, yada yada. I don't know. I'm not saying that. It doesn't matter if he does or he doesn't. That'd be more like a fan service kind of thing. But we went through this whole same cycle with, with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Everyone theorizing and wondering what was what and questioning every visual detail. And then you go watch the movie and most of that stuff, more than half of that stuff, isn't even going on. It's them showing you things in the trailer. You walk into the movie, they show you other things, and they're super awesome. So yeah, I think that's something that's, you know, not trying to just copy and and do what's already been done is really important. And I tie that back into that book, Zero to One, which I'm reading. Um, Zero to One talks a lot about, you know, when when you go out to do something, let's say you, you know, you like milk, but you say, hey, wouldn't it be cool if milk was blue? So you say, I'm going to make like blue milk. Um, and that's really different, right? So yeah, everyone, people like blue um, and it'd be like a cool new drink. We don't have like a new drink in a while, right? We're gonna have like blue milk. Um, I think in Star Wars, there's something called blue milk actually, right? So we'll, we'll make that into like a popular drink. I guarantee you, you'll YouTube that. I just said that randomly. You'll YouTube it. I'm there's somebody out there with a recipe on how to make blue milk, right? Um, so you say, I'm gonna go make milk. And there's a little, you're just saying you're, you're kind of slightly improving on milk or making it fun again, right? So you go out, you get yourself a cow, or you buy milk wholesale some kind of way. You invest in all this, the money you need to start manufacturing, producing, and selling blue milk. Um, and then when you sell this milk, obviously the milk is going to cost, I guess for a gallon of milk, it's like three bucks, four bucks nowadays. So if you're selling blue milk by the gallon, that might be like $5, $6. How much more money can you can you afford? How much money will people spend on milk at this point, right? Maybe you make it like a 20-ounce bottle. It seems real fancy. Maybe you sell it for 4 or $5 that way. Maybe that's the business model you go for. So, you know, you, you take all those things in and you say to yourself, 
Well, is this what you want to do? Are you happy making 50 cents a bottle? Are you happy making a dollar a bottle? How long can you do this? Is it just a side hobby? Is this a little hustle? Um, what do you really plan on doing with this? And if you, if you think about all the things in the world, a lot of times what people do is they just try to improve on what already exists. And that can work in some different ways. Like if you have, um, you know, I always had an idea that you can make like a, a soul food restaurant in the suburbs. You never see that. But then, you know, one thing they point out in the book is maybe there isn't a market for soul food in the suburbs to the degree that you would need to keep a business afloat, to have enough of that money coming in constantly. Like, I like Indian food. I eat Indian food maybe once or twice a year. When I eat it, I love it. I, I, I could probably eat it much more often. It's just not in my habit for me to go past all the places I've always go to and think to myself, let's go get me some Indian food, right? So it has to be difficult. If you're making an Indian restaurant in this area, at least, um, that, that's a factor you have to consider is that sometimes people in the area may not even be looking for Indian food. And even if your food is great, are they going to now stop going to other places and incorporating your restaurant into what they do on a regular basis? It's a lot. It's changing habit. It's not just making good food, right? And it's already hard to have a restaurant where you're making good food. So when you're thinking, well, you know, I'm, there's no Indian restaurants around here. In both of these scenarios with the milk, the, 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 the milk and the restaurant, they're not really changing things. You're, you're saying, if you look at it from that spectrum of, is there any Indian restaurants around here? Are you in the Indian restaurant business? Are consumers only buying Indian food? Or are you in the restaurant business? Or are you in the food business, the feeding people business, which also might even go a little bit into the entertainment business, right? Um, based on, you know, people going out and doing this as a social thing, right? With that milk, are you in? Are you trying to feed people and give them milk? Or are you going into this more upscale, you know, whole food sort of thing where you want to, you know, cater to people who have the money to put $5 into milk? And people who put $5 into milk or would put $5 into milk, do they want it to be blue? Is that a color they would like? Um, or maybe they don't want it to just be blue. Maybe they need some other kind of stuff in there to make it seem more healthy and organic. Well, that's going to make it more expensive for you to make it. Do you even know anything about that? So now you you have to start factoring in these other things. You really look at what's going on because so many people start off with a restaurant idea thinking that they have a gimmick. They have something that makes them kind of different. And then they go out there with just thinking there's no one like me. There's no one doing what I'm doing. And then you realize that you're not competing against people who are only doing what you're doing. You're competing against a much broader category when it comes to how people come in and consume content, um, whether it's food or whether it's entertainment. You know, with the Thor situation, like I'm explaining, you know, there's a few different people out there making movies that are this kind of entertainment value, right? If you look at, um, you know, Gore, some people rightfully so on Twitter were talking about he looks like Voldemort, right? So Marvel never looks like they're copying. They try to never look like they're copying. So you get Christian Bale to come back and play the villain. That's awesome. You're getting a, a, a famous DC actor, technically, right? He's from he's known for as Batman from the DC movies. You get him to come be in your movie. That's kind of a win, right? Why is he still working over at Warner Brothers doing things, right? That's a win in some people's minds in a way. You get to see him inside the Marvel Universe. That's great for Marvel because everyone likes him as Batman. And then you cover his face and make him look like Voldemort. 
No. Why would you do that? Now, now, not only did you, not only do you have Christian Bale and you're hiding him under makeup, which I remember Star Trek did that with Idris Elba. I, I think I watched the whole Star Trek movie and didn't realize the main villain was Idris Elba. I think to like the end credits. I was like, why would you go hire Idris Elba and cover him in so much makeup and stuff that we can't even see who he is? Like, couldn't the alien just look a little bit different? Like, I didn't... What's the point? I didn't even... I think he also was doing a voice. I don't even know if he was doing his own voice. I did not know it was Idris Elba the whole time. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Idris Elba plays Knuckles in Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and he's amazing. He brings so much to the role. Um, it makes Knuckles into a very fleshed-out character, and I feel like what they did there was they had Idris Elba, and it kind of took a little bit of Drax um, from the Marvel movies, and then some of the things you know about Knuckles, and then you put them all together, and then you have an interesting character to play off of Sonic. So that was really something I did not expect at all, where Tails was kind of obviously what I thought he would be. He's a nice, sweet, little kind of kid character. Sonic's a little bit of an older kid, um, and then Tails thinks he's cool. And then you got Knuckles, and I'm like, well, I don't know, how do you write Knuckles? Who is Knuckles? I don't know Knuckles. I don't really know. He's, he's just a guy with Knuckles, right? He's just a hedgehog with Knuckles. So when you see them portray him in the movie and flesh him out into a full character, I'm like, oh, this is this this bigger than the video game. It pops off the screen in a new way. So Gore the God Butcher's the same thing. Do I want to just see Carnage? Do I want to just see Voldemort? Do I want to see Carnage and Voldemort together being crazy and stuff? I I don't know. I don't know what they're planning on doing. But it will be interesting to see how it all plays together because Thor is in a very comedic space right now. I mean, Hela was a pretty serious villain, but Thor was able to be very funny during that movie and then deal with somebody like Hela who was pretty serious. So I don't know, like, is Gore going to be as serious as Hela or even more serious? Does does this maybe bring Thor back into a more serious space? If he's out there killing gods, what, what, how heavy will it get? I don't know. But the point is that you're going into it not knowing. If People always think they want whatever's already been done before. And that's not the truth because that, that that's boring. That's what happens when you go watch movies from other companies or other studios and you think, oh, it's going to be just like this. And they try to make it pretty close. And it just ends up being disappointing because it doesn't do exactly what the comics does and it doesn't do enough things that a movie should do. And then you get this like, eh, kind of thing. A movie I like a lot, but I know people don't really like it a whole lot, is Suicide Squad, the first one. And I think that's the situation that they ran into there. I think they tried to be too much like whatever the comics are, right? Suicide Squad, to put together, it's a band of people, yada yada. Um, that's the idea. The bunch of criminals have to do something. But then, instead of them committing to just that idea, there's these other elements there where they're like, uh, we need the Joker to be in the movie, even though he's not in the Suicide Squad. He has to sound like, he's got to be like hanging around for some reason. So then like, I, I remember hearing reports that there was a lot of Joker scenes filmed. Almost like they wanted to make a Joker movie. It's without making a Joker movie, apparently. Um, and then they cut out a lot of it. And it, it's like, why Why did you even do that? Then they, they had the Joker character, who I understand they changed the character. I think Jared Leto was saying he changed the character, but he kind of based it on um, a very famous graphic novel that the Joker is in. Where he's he's kind of more like the character you see in, on screen, and again I'm saying like these these are just is so much stuff is going on here that we're not just focusing on just making the best movie possible for Suicide Squad if that's the movie we're making. If that's the movie we're making. You should be focused on that team developing those characters. Why are they a team? And I feel like it does the movie doesn't 
land on it trying to show that they're a team of villains. They try to do this thing where, like, they're not really villains. Like, maybe they're a superhero team. And I don't know. If that's the way it is in the Suicide Squad comics, I mean, if I'm if I'm coming in as a moviegoer, I would want to see this out to the end. I would want them to be villains to the end. I want them to do some kind of villain things. I want them to try to backstab each other and, and be villains. That's the whole funny thing is, like, you're making them go beat other people up or attack people... Maybe attack heroes, beat hero teams, overwhelm heroes. Um, that sounds like what they're they're made for. Maybe maybe they're attacking other countries and doing like you know wet work for the government. Um, let them do that. They kind of got into that more in the second one, which I did like that aspect of it. The second one overall, I'm not sure. You know, um, that's that's a difficult one. I have to watch it a few more times. I liked it initially. I know people also didn't like it. They like Suicide 1. So it's like, I guess if you like Suicide Squad 1, you don't like Part 2. Um, I love Peacemaker. So that's, again, the whole franchise just seems like like very muddled to me. Whereas I, I feel like Thor is, you know, besides Thor Part 2, which I don't even know if it's even that bad anymore or if it's become legendary where everyone always reference Thor Part 2 as if it's like the worst movie. I guess it must be, um, you know, in the Marvel Universe because... I think it was just kind of just slow. I think there's a lot of Loki in it, which is, was pretty cool. I know there's a lot more development with Loki in that movie. But I think overall, people just look at that one like, eh. Like, there was just, it was just missing something there. Um, but, yeah, with, with with this new Thor, I think they're they're going in... They're doing what you have to do when you do everything. You got to take something that you, that you know, something you want to do, and figure out what's the next thing for it. So that's what I always talk about when it comes to art and business and why I'm referencing the, the, the book Zero to One is they're kind of kicking there is you got to think, number one, what do you really want to do? If you want to sell milk 50 cents a profit and that's and it's more like a passion or something like that, you can do that. That's fine. But if you're trying to make an impact, you have to come up with something new. You have to go from zero to one. Everyone goes from one to two to three to four. It's just incremental growth. But from start at, to start at basically nothing and be number one to, to actually be the first thing that people are going to copy you off of, you don't have to do that if you don't want to do it. The book is not saying this is what you have to do. It's not, a, it's not a book of instructions. It's saying that if this is something you would like to do, if this is what you think you're doing by introducing blue milk, realize you're not introducing zero to one. You're just changing milk a little bit. If you want to make a brand new soft drink that gets everybody talking, that's, that's in its league of its own outside of soda, outside of milk, it's just a whole new drink. And that's what you should be thinking about. Maybe it could be blue. But that's what we have to understand. Like, do you want to get into chemistry? Do you want to, you know, what makes milk milk? What makes soda soda? What makes water water? Are you, are you able to figure out? Is there some other kind of beverage that we're not experiencing? I would like to think that there are. I know me personally, I feel like there's not enough creamy beverages year-round. Here's, here's an idea, some food for thought. I want thicker beverages. I want a beverage that's not a that's not a syrup, however, isn't water. There's a consistency somewhere in the middle. And not this is not for everyday consumption either. I feel like we need a warm, half like watery molasses kind of beverage. Cause I feel like coffee isn't creamy enough. I when I think of the word creamy and I think of creamy coffee. I think, man, I want something to give me energy and it's going to taste like a liquid cinnamon bun, right? Like like something like a liquid donut. Um, but it, it, it kind of like hot cocoa. But again, hot cocoa tastes like hot water. I feel like in my imagination, 
there there's a uh, um, a more thicker version of of this stuff. Like if you had hot cocoa made of pure milk, like a cream, almost like a heavy cream. But hopefully, listen, just do this and it'd be healthy, all right? Or at least not as as horrible as it might sound in my head. I feel like I'm suggesting everyone drink like liquid ice cream, kind of like a milkshake. Milkshake is thicker, but it's cold. Can you get a warm milkshake, chocolatey-like drink that can also have caffeine in it? I don't know. This is not my dream, okay? You guys figure this out, right? If someone out there listens to this, they come up with it. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm asking for necessarily here. But I have often drank a coffee after pouring some cream in there or some milk in there and thought to myself, this ain't creamy at all. It's just hot water. Where? Why am I even putting cream into the, the, the coffee, basically? Um, that's a, a big problem I have with coffee. So <laughs> that would be, if you're able to create a new consistency of beverage, if you're able to get into the science of it, that would be different. For a restaurant, I always had an idea for a restaurant that would, would basically have new ideas. Um, and I'm not gonna, I, I still love the idea, so I'm not, I'm not going to get into all the details about that restaurant. But the idea was going to be, you go out and there's all these traditional foods. And we know all these traditional foods. We hear about them. I want a restaurant that just does gimmick foods. Now, obviously, there's a few problems with this from a business model. Number one, if you have lots of different kinds of foods, you got to buy lots of different kinds of ingredients. It can be hard to store that. You're going to need physical space. That's number one. Number two, you don't want this to be super expensive, but I feel like it would be kind of expensive since you got to have all this physical space and you're in a retail kind of situation. So... Then you got to have someone that can cook all these weird foods. And, he, and then you're under the pressure of constantly inventing new foods. So I feel like in a concept, it if it somehow was to work, it would work very well. But there's a lot of ways you can fail in an industry where it's already hard to, to succeed. So I don't feel confident. I don't think I ever would seriously invest any of my money um, as, as a person nowadays with that. If I had like endless money, it'd be a worthy pursuit. I think you would need endless money. To make a restaurant that can make lots of new kind of foods, lots of like, you know, experimental creations. And that's the whole point of the restaurant is you go there. Maybe every few months you just know to expect they got something coming out that's going to be unique. Um, I like, I think the only people who kind of do this and they cheat is Taco Bell. Taco Bell has made it a staple of their restaurant to remove and bring back items on a regular basis. I actually read something once about how... This has really helped Taco Bell a whole lot in the fast food wars. It really carve out its own place where, you know, other restaurants introduce things and, and bring in certain things. But Taco Bell is able to do this all the time and are using practically the same ingredients that are already in the stores. So that's what I think makes them super unique. We're like, you know, McDonald's and bring back the McRib and then take it away. But when it when it's gone, there isn't a McRib like laying around McDonald's where Taco Bell will take like a shell and some beef and cheese and reassemble it into a new thing. And people get so excited and they'll come try it. And sometimes they even have a unique taste or consistency to it that you don't expect. It makes it like, oh, this is kind of cool. And they'll get rid of it. And I think they just got people in the habit of when you come here, who knows what new thing we might have here based off of the ingredients we kind of already have. And then they'll sell it to you. And it just kind of makes it a little more fun. So if you like Taco Bell, um, that's one of the restaurants, I think, that are successful at doing that concept I was talking about. But I was thinking about going further where, you know, I, I go to places like Applebee's. I feel like Applebee's is a place to do this, but they don't. 
I feel like you go there, and I'm like, what is Applebee's? Don't you guys have, like, like anything here? Anything can happen here, right? I feel like they're like, no, we still have the same things everywhere else has. Uh, every once in a while, they have, like, a like a like a taco slider or something like that. I'm like, that's that's not really that exciting. But yeah, so in, in zero to one, they, they talk a lot more about exercises you can do. This is what I'm doing here. I'm just, that's what you would be doing if you read the book. It just gives you a lot of different, you know, exercises to do. to so think about new ideas and then, you know, whether or not you want to be involved in these new ideas and how you should be trying to think of new stuff instead of just treading what's already been done and who knows what you might come up with that's that historically that's the game changers those are people that make serious wealth in business and that's something that you should do so looking at the you know the the marvel and the comic book thing to wrap it up you know with me as a writer i definitely you know look at comics and movies and i feel like oh i want to go ahead and write a comic or i want to go ahead and make a movie and you know and then I think of some of these other stories that kind of fall outside of that. And usually I put those stories in the back burner where I'm like, that's not really what I wanted to do. But those stories are probably the most original things I've ever come up with. And they don't really follow another idea that's established. Now, I love Neochrome. I love my, my, my comic book universe in my head, right? Of all my characters and the stories and things that happen there. Um, but I have to admit that as I've gotten older and all the things that I've learned to consider, there are other stories that are a bit more unique um, that probably would be better. I think if you look at like people who do TikTok, for example, I don't know how they could have even dreamed of doing TikTok five years ago where the technology didn't even exist. So you have tons of people making all kinds of content that's very different than I think you would expect if you wanted to grow up to be an actor. Um, TikTok acting, 30 second clips is way different than being in movies, right? So if you're someone who was going to be an actor and instead you opted to just do a lot of TikTok, you're, you're in a very different space now. And, and there's a lot of room there for originality since the art form, you know, the, the way that that media works is so different than what we've seen before. Um, making short, very short clips that are very shareable very viral. It's a, it's the technology is designed specifically for the internet, and then they're making art specifically for that technology, which is very different, you know. So maybe having you know long form stories isn't what I'm into. Maybe there's actually something else I'm supposed to be doing. But that's something I still I'm going through the exercises on my end trying to figure things out. And I think that you know as a society we need to do this more. We need to encourage new ideas. We need to encourage new storytelling. We got to stop. You know, cutting down these studios and trying to start all this uproar and being—you know—at the end of the day, you're just being unhappy. They already made the movie; it's coming out in two weeks. It's not the Hedgehog's already on Paramount Plus, right? Like or Paramount, whatever they call it. Like, it, it, the stuff is happening anyway. Why be that upset about it? Just enjoy what they're—they're they're providing you. Try to find something in it that you enjoy. And if you really hate it all, then you just don't watch it. But that's not the case. These guys like comic book movies. That's why they're even watching the trailer. They won. They're watching the trailer, going on Twitter, yelling about it. Um, it doesn't make you happy. You're not happy. And then typically, these situations go away. Because by the time the movie actually comes out, whatever they really do, people most likely love it. And then they make more of them, right? These movies make tons of money over and over again. So if you find yourself in a very, you know, small margin of people who like, yeah, you don't like these movies and you're constantly watching the trailers when they come out on the first day, that doesn't make much sense. I don't, I don't think that's a real person. I think at the end of the day, they go watch these movies and they're like, oh, I enjoyed this because they come back over and over again. And Marvel's been having people come back for like 10, 12 years already. Right. So, yeah. 
that was my rant on Thor this week and pretty much the main things I'm thinking about. Again, I want to plug V Rising. If you have the ability, I know a lot of guys don't have PCs out there. Um, but yeah, if you have anything in your house, check the system specs on Steam. See if you can play it. Definitely know what kind of parts you have inside your computer. Because there's a lot of creative things out there you know, that, that you can be interacting with on the PC that I feel like more and more get missed. And they don't, they don't all get to come to console and stuff. Um, and like sometimes it's better to play them on a keyboard and a mouse. You just need more buttons um, to do things and manage things and stuff. So hopefully someone gets into that. If I had anybody hit me up that says they want to play V Rising, that would be super fun because I'm the only person playing it right now that I know of. And you guys have a great week. Thank you so much. And I hope you enjoyed another one of those podcasts with Sammy Rye. Peace.